Um, I believe we're coming into a season just as the church, not just our church, but the church. I believe we're coming into a season where we're going to see, see things uh, from a different perspective with specific phrase I wrote down, uh, deeper meaning and greater value. And I uh, just earlier when the communion stations were all set and worship hadn't started or anything, I just went back and just received communion myself, just stood there and I held the cups and I just uh, began to pray that prayer. Lord, let us just have a see the deeper meaning and the greater value of even something like an element of communion availability during worship every week. Um, whether it's our giving or the way we love each other, when you're here today, you're not called to a place, you're called to a people. And you realize there's something of deeper meaning and greater value to what God's trying to reveal in all of that. And I just believe that there's something substantial God wants us to embrace and receive every single time we gather in this room as a family gathering together. How many of you came together today expecting something from the Lord? Like you really are here in an attitude of expectation. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. And Lord, we invite you, stir things deep within our hearts that will transform everything about our lives and produce the legacy of Christ and the legacy of the cross, the sacrificial life of Christ that is to become the legacy of each of our lives and all of our lives together. And we invite you, Lord, speak to us today with clarity that we might know we've heard God with certainty. We'll walk out these doors with greater confidence. The fear of the Lord is a strong confidence. Grant us your wisdom and insight, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Everybody in agreement just said amen. Uh, I do want to just reiterate something <clears throat> one week from tonight as we start to talk about 3D and what that is. I know that's a new concept to blast out, but I just have to say, uh, Tracy and I are talking through a lot of things right now, and I think for the first time in my life, I know for sure I'm coming to a greater awareness, but maybe for the first time in my life, I'm coming to a place of where I truly understand more about who God made me to be. And, and I don't know if you understand, but you have no alignment with your identity if you've not figured out who you are before you do the stuff you do on every level of your life. And there might be people in here that are doing something on a very high level, but if it's not aligned with who you are, then you're missing the point. How many of you know climbing the ladder of success can be thrilling all the way to the top, but discouraging once you get there and you realize it's been propped against the wrong wall the whole time? And so we're going to walk through some exercises to help you understand. This is not just a bunch of information I'm going to disseminate, but we're going to go through exercises to understand some deep sense of reflection to recognize and understand who we are. And uh, we, we feel this is just a very significant perspective for us with the next season of who God's called us to be as a church. We're trying to figure all of that out, but that's why we've just opened this up. We're going to have it in this room, so I would invite you next Sunday night, 530, come at least give the first week a try and see if it's something uh, that resonates with you, but I believe it's going to awaken something in all of us on a whole different level. 
Uh, I'm just ready for more of what God wants. And I, I'm excited about the idea in 2020 that we're going to release 20 points of transformation, 20 new points of societal transformation as a result of our church family engaging in what God wants for this next year. And this is very central and very key for you not just to go do something good, but for you to discern and do something God. And there's a big difference between the two. So God's going to give us wisdom in that. So... Um, Hope you got your note card. I'm going to walk you through just a little bit of this information as we're talking about gratitude warfare. Uh, there is something powerful about being thankful, something profound about learning to carry a thankful attitude, something weaponized about our gratitude when we understand it from the standpoint of Scripture. Last week, uh, we talked about what it is to be fortified and enriched through the process of being thankful and grateful. I hope you've uh, handed out some cards this week. I've taken the opportunity to express my appreciation. These cards are on the communion stations in the back, communion tables, they're in the lobby everywhere. Uh, you'll find them everywhere you go. Please pick a few up and give them out this week. Uh, take some time to write something sincerely that you appreciate. Raise your hand if you did this this past week. Uh, I wanted to see how many of you actually handed out cards. Um, I would appreciate if you'd help me not be suicidal and do it this next week for when I ask next Sunday. I raise your hand. Everyone will raise their hand. How many of you make a commitment this next week? You'll make me feel better about what I'm asking you to do. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Even if it's just to make me feel better, uh, pass out a few of those cards, and you might be shocked at what actually unlocks inside you when you purpose an attitude of gratitude uh, toward somebody else. So our, our focal point verse in this season of time is understanding 3 John 1, 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. In other words, as your, any, as your inner man, not your any man, <laughs> as your, you know, those are the moments like when this is being recorded that people go back and they get that and then they torment you. And I just want to say you're agent of Satan if you do that, so don't you dare. As your any man uh, grows stronger, as your inner man grows stronger, then it begins to impact everything about your life. And how many times is it that we're asking, God, change my situation. God, change my circumstance. God, change my work. God, change my home. God, change my world. Change something around me. And, and we're begging God to change something. And what God is saying is, what I actually want to do is change you, and that will change everything around you. Because if I change everything around you, you're still you, and you'll think it all back down to where you've been. God wants to do something deeper than that within each and every one of us that actually transforms the world around us. How many of you are going to let him in today? I want God to come and do what he wants to do on the deepest level of my life, of our lives, as a family, as a church, uh, as we fulfill all that he has uh, desired for us to fulfill. So last week we talked about this in a fortified and enriched life. What we understand is it's not joy that makes us thankful. It's not joy that makes us thankful. It's actually gratitude that makes us joyful. And it's very important that we understand that. Uh, giving thanks is not something we do just because we feel like it or else we're being infantile in our thinking. And I believe God wants us not to think like spiritual infants. I believe God wants to, speak, to, to think like spiritual adults or mothers and fathers of the faith. How many of you moms and dads in here know that you do what you do because you need to do it, not because you feel like doing it if you're going to parent well, right? You've got to do what you do. I mean, I am so 
deeply respectful of single parents that make it happen without that support structure that, that you know, Tracy and I enjoy. When I've traveled at times and been away for extended periods of time, I come home and, and we talk about that. How do single parents make it? And there's a grace on your life, but I understand very clearly sometimes you simply have to do what you are responsible to do because you are mature, not because you feel like it. I want you to know there's a spiritual maturity God wants us to possess in our lives, and that is where we give thanks to God on an ongoing basis as a lifestyle. It's a sense of gratitude warfare. I promise you today, when I'm driving home, I'll be whispering under my breath, and just it's just normal. It's just natural. It's a typical part of spiritual maturity and should be in every one of our lives. I'll just be whispering, Lord, thank you for what you did today. Thank you for the power of your word that was activated in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for fruit that remains in the lives of your people every time we gather in a space of worship in the power of God's word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. There's always something that we can give thanks for if we'll put that into practice and allow that to begin to be exactly what God desires that to be in our lives. Not only to God, but then to other people, two of the most powerful words known to mankind. Say them with me. Thank you. Tell somebody next to you, thank you for something specific. Go ahead. Thank you for sitting next to me is, is sufficient. Whatever. Powerful, powerful words. Fortified and enriched. And then this week, I want to talk to you. <clears throat> You'll see the common theme here with the common word. Week two, I want to talk about what it is to be, have fortified faith. Fortified faith. Not just faith, but faith is fortified. Faith, you know, honestly, so many times uh, the fortitude of our faith is seen by what it takes to discourage our lives. How many of you, uh, a social media online comment can take you down from time to time? <laughs> and, and God wants us to have a greater strength than that in our lives. I mean, some, for some of us, it just takes so little to set us off. And God wants us to have a much stronger, more mature disposition than that. And I know, you know, every one of us in the room can say we could all use a little more faith uh, in our lives. And so I want to talk just a little bit about how to build that and strengthen that, fortify our faith, because gratitude and faith have a very significant relationship. If you really start to think about how the, these two go hand in hand, you'll begin to, to understand they are so very connected. Faith determines how you see your situation. Faith determines how you see your situation. And isn't it amazing that two people can have the exact same experience and have two totally different perspectives about what it was they experienced? Two people can have the exact same experience and, uh, and have totally different perspectives. And I thought about this, and, um, and I've shown this picture once before, and Ryan Perry is, is in the picture. Uh, he's very nervous right now because I have a lot of pictures of Ryan Perry that he would really prefer I not show publicly, but maybe that'll be next week. This one won't bother him too bad. But we were all riding a roller coaster together, and, uh, and you can see Ryan in the front, and he's like, yep, we're on a roller coaster. That's his experience. That's faith. How old were you there, faith? Probably eight seven years old, something like that. And so Faith is like, we're on a roller coaster! And she loves, she's a thrill seeker. And then that's Lexi burying her head in my arm, and she's saying, we're all gonna die! 
right. And, and my face, I am like, okay, uh, I, I, that, you see that face? That's me in the back right. And I'm saying, oh, God, she's going to be in therapy for years. I wish I hadn't made her do this. Like four distinctly different expressions from the uniquely same experience. Isn't that amazing? Two people can be on the same ride and enjoy it or not enjoy it from two totally different perspectives. How many of you love thrill-seeker rides? Can I just say you love them? How many of you do not want to, Lexi, raise your hand, not want to ride thrill-seeker rides? Okay, two people can be on the same ride, and this be the case. It looks like two totally different experience, expressions, all of those things taking place. And uh, do you have that other picture you can put up? There they are. I love that distinction. That is just great. Two totally different perspectives. See, this is why developing a healthy inner man is so important. This is why developing a healthy inner man is so important. Are you consistently in the Word? Are you finding places of prayer? Do you understand what fasting and praying really is all about? You know, wherever you are with that, engaging to some degree where you let the appetite for the unseen exceed the appetite for what you see, really exploring and pursuing. I I really want to always constantly call our church family to not be a group of people who let their utmost commitment to Christ be their willingness to attend a church service. Because you can't go to church when you are the church, so we gather as the church to be empowered by God as the family of God, so we will go out in the anointing of Christ and be the church in every circumstance and situation that comes our way. Come on, somebody celebrate with me today. We're declaring in the name of Jesus, bring on the adventure. Bring on the adventure. We have a fortified faith. We are learning what it is in maturity to give thanks to God and to give thanks to those around us who are running the race beside us that we might walk this out in powerful and profound ways. See, this is the thing. When your faith is intact and when your inner man is strong and you have a sense of maturity about your life, then you see things from a different perspective. The servant and the critic see the exact same situation from two totally different perspectives. And this, these two babies that you'll see, they, they are an expression of how, again, two people in the same situation, two people in the exact same perspective are having two different expressions about whatever it is that's going on. The servant and the critic, they see the same situation, but they have two different responses. Some people, and, and I, I just, I, you know, because sometimes I'm kind of direct, like last week in this first service, I was way more direct than I was the second. Uh, I, I said some stuff afterward. I was thinking, whoa, I was a little intense today, which I'm always kind of intense. Like no matter what, I'm intense. I can be opening a chip bag and I get intense, you know. I don't know. I got issues. But, but I got very direct. And I just feel the Lord wants to be very direct about some issues going on deep within our lives that he wants us to give him access to so he can develop us to be more of who he desires for us to become. And some of us in this room, our inner man is so weak because we lack the spiritual practices of maturity that we cannot even see things from a servant's point of view because we're so given to the critic angle and perspective. 
And this deals with your inner, this is why the Bible says when you find somebody like this and they're hot-headed and they get mad about everything and they post all kinds of nonsense on social media, the Bible says this is what you're supposed to do. Stay away from them. Because we're contagious. You and I have the ability to affect each other. Whoever you get around, you're going to talk like them, act like them, walk like them, think like them. It's just a funny thing. God's created us to be contagious. So will you be the strong enough believer that people don't have to avoid you, but they can embrace you and become more of who God called them to be because they're around you? Your inner man. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. The natural, you need to understand it, the natural inclination of the flesh, if it is not controlled by the Spirit, will always drift toward the negative. It's just natural. That's what's natural in a fallen world where human nature is no longer connected to God's disposition. Only by the Spirit. I don't know if you realize it or not, but your flesh will never pray. Only your spirit prays. Your flesh has to be brought into alignment with that your spirit is awakened to. And so if you're, I mean, you got this battle going on. Maybe you have a battle going on inside. Can I just see a battle going on, good and evil, the flesh and the spirit. I mean, the scripture says this very clearly, Galatians 5, that these two natures exist within all of us and they are in conflict with each other. And if you're not strengthening your spirit, man, if you're not strengthening your spirit, man, And your flesh, man, is taking control. And you can dress it up however you want, but you need a strong spirit man. You need a strong inner man. I'm speaking men and women, of course, but I'm talking about the inner strength of your spirit as you rise up and you feed yourself. Stop starving yourself spiritually thinking that you're going to be okay. You've got to have, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by revelation from God that activates something in our hearts and strengthens our lives that we will look at a giant and see the giant from God's point of view. This is not a giant that can destroy everybody around him. This is a giant that our God will destroy and take down. The servant has humbled himself or herself to serve God and others. That's what the servant does. The critic has elevated himself or herself to judge situations and to judge others. Humility, I said it last week, and I want to reiterate. Humility is the foundation for every good attitude that God will release in your life. And pride produces ingratitude, contaminating the soul, triggering bad attitudes that will create all kinds of problems in your future. I say this all the time. I usually say it in marriages, in weddings. There is nothing more painful than two selfish people in a relationship trying to get their way. And there's nothing more beautiful than two servants in love. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing worse than two prideful, arrogant people making demands from the other. And there's nothing more beautiful than two people in a spirit of humility who have decided, I am going to devote everything I am to the covenant of relationship that God has placed in my life, no matter how much I must sacrifice. The Holy Spirit is releasing something in marriages right now in this moment. Do you discern it? How about we learn to discern what's going on in the room and not just get the motivational speech going. Some of y'all need to just take this word right now in your marriage, in your legacy. I break a spirit of divorce in Jesus' mighty name. Some of y'all been handed that from upline. It's not going downline in Jesus' mighty name. Come on. 
I want to discern what God is up to. I sat here in the youth service this past Wednesday night as Pastor Chris was doing his best rendition of Wolfman Jack. He could barely talk. His voice was awful. Really did the best he could uh, with, with the minimal voice that he had. He's, he's not doing so great today. He's home in bed. Bless him, Lord. I know, I know you're online, Pastor Chris. You have to be online. I know you're such a faithful man of God. You will be online right now. If you send me a text message right now, I will give you $100 cash. I promise. Right now, do it. Send it. Send it right now. I want to see, I want to see the text message right now. I'm on airplane mode. It's not going to come. <laughs> so I'm sitting, in the, I'm sitting in the youth service and surrounded by the youth, and I'm listening. And Pastor Chris is not saying new things that I haven't necessarily heard. He brought a great perspective coming into Halloween and spiritual warfare and spiritual things and eternal things. And, and it was, I thought, well, that's a great perspective to bring into youth. And I, I appreciated what he was saying. It was the, it was, and the message was a good message. But there's something different going on in that moment in time. As I sat there, there were moments in, in his message where he would simply make a statement. And, and it was almost like something from the Spirit of God would drift over to me and clothe me with a perspective that I was going to walk out carrying that I did not have when I came in. I want you to know God is a God of impartation. Whenever uh, we see in Scripture that a, a son comes to a father asking the father for the blessing, and we understand Esau and Jacob and, and that, that whole progression of what was taking place, and, and the, the blessing was stolen. Has anyone ever thought before, like Jacob came and robbed the blessing from, from Esau, and then Esau came and he said, oh, oh, father, you blessed Jacob, bless me. And, and I just, I, you know, in our Western culture where words don't mean anything, we don't understand that he couldn't just say it to him too because there's something of substance value that actually leaves us when we speak. That's why your word is your bond means way more in different parts of the world than it does here because something of substance exists within your words and he couldn't just say, oh, I bless him and I bless you too. No, what he said was that was a significant expression of the blessing that I carry as a father and I released it by the power of my words and now he carries it into the next generation. I'm, I want to speak like that. I want to preach like that. I want to talk like that. Tonight we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and the Institute. There's going to be a release of not just the power of God in that room, but there's going to be a release of the power of the Spirit of God in this house in Jesus' mighty name. I welcome the Holy Spirit, His power and anointing in every one of our lives. Do you receive that in your own life? I want something more than just a religious behavior. I want something more than just a religious gathering. I want something more than just a motivational speech. I want the substance of God and the power of the Spirit in every one of our lives. I want us to understand that when I'm up here making declarations and you say, amen and so be it, there's something of substance actually being released to the atmosphere of the room. A spirit of infirmity can exist in an atmosphere that we're cultivating, releasing the power of God in healing fashion. Isn't that powerful? That's like, that was my way of saying, amen, God. I, I, I didn't have that, you know, in my brain. It suddenly just kind of popped out. There's something significant about our cultivating an atmosphere together congregationally and an attitude of faith and an attitude of unity that releases something substantial out of the kingdom of God into the world. Thy kingdom come, Lord. Thy kingdom come, Lord. Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done. 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. How is it that Paul told Timothy, fan into flame the gifts and anointings that are in you by the laying on of my hands? How did they get there? Well, he had to go to school, get a degree, study books, read the Bible, spend time in prayer. There were certain gifts that came into Timothy's life because Paul, a spiritual father, understood the magnitude of impartation that would take place when in an attitude of faith he laid his hands on his spiritual son. There's something in the Bible of the Spirit of God coming upon people filled with the Holy Spirit when words were being spoken. Come on, that's what I'm after. How about you? Just give thanks. Give th I mean, the more we posture ourselves to give thanks, the more substantial our words become. Our faith and our gratitude are inseparably connected. I want you to be mighty men and women of God, walking in the power of the Spirit, and learning to have an attitude of gratitude postures you to be able to carry that into your world. Mountains are going to come. Giants are going to come. Circumstances and situations. Doctors' reports are going to come. Difficult times are going to come. But God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all we can ask or imagine. My question is, is our inner man positioned to be able to take on the challenges from a perspective of faith and an attitude of gratitude? Or are we going to crumble under the weight of every difficulty that comes our way? 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters. We don't want you to be uninformed about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. Why is it we are angry at God when troubles and pressures come our way, when we read it in the Bible all the time? It's because we don't let the Bible get in the way of what we've decided to believe in a prosperous gospel society in which we live. We don't want you to be uninformed about the troubles that we experience. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. These were overwhelming problems. Does anybody here feel like you're dealing with any overwhelming problems in your life? Yeah, I just want you to know you're in good company when you read Scripture and you find this in the Bible. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God. That's kind of crazy. Every circumstance and situation that you will ever face in your life becomes a tool in the hand of God to make you more who he wants you to be if you'll allow him to use it as a tool in the hand of God rather than putting it as a tool in the hand of the devil to discourage your life. We feel like we've been discouraged to the point of death, he said. But one good thing that's already happened, we no longer trust in ourselves as our pride has been dealt with through this difficulty we have faced. That's kind of crazy. Are y'all doing all right? Like the difficulty comes. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. How am I going to get past this? I don't know how I'm going to get past this. I'm going to pause for a moment and give thanks to God right up front that this difficult situation actually has postured me in a greater state of humility so that my reliance upon God 
is stronger than if everything was just going my way. I thank you, Lord. I mean, isn't that crazy? Like, you can give thanks in every circumstance, and you can give thanks for every circumstance if you will see every circumstance from God's point of view. The terrible situation was used by God to bring humility in their lives. What the enemy meant for evil, God turned around for good. Praise God. Why don't we all just stop giving challenges in our lives so much power God is using them as tools to strengthen our reliance upon him, to strengthen our inner man. Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 and 9. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. It's gotten bad. It just ain't over if God says it ain't over. That's the, that's the little interpretation of that scripture. Difficulty has come, but God is bigger than the difficulty that will come my way. I will give thanks in every circumstance because God is giving me a posture of greater reliance to him no matter what it is that I face. And in the midst of that, then my inner man starts to be strong. And when my inner man is strong, I'm talking to some people today that want the Holy Spirit to awaken a strength within them. When the inner man is strong, then Joel 3, let the weak say I am strong, becomes a very natural thing to do because the supernatural becomes the natural when your inner man is strong. Let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. Let the destitute say God is able in every situation. Somebody ought to thank God right now for the power of God being demonstrated in every circumstance in our lives. Come on. Let's just honor the Lord our God. We lift up the name of Jesus. We have entered into a fortified faith today in an attitude of gratitude and appreciation. Our thankfulness has become weaponized today. Our gratitude has become weaponized today. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's all just stand to our feet. He goes on, Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians 4, and he says, For our light and momentary troubles, our light and momentary troubles, what, what was it? <laughs> like hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. Does anybody agree that doesn't sound light or momentary? He was beaten with rods, shipwrecked, abandoned, beaten almost to death, and left for dead. Those are some tough things that he went through. And what does he say? For our light and momentary troubles. It's light affliction. Everybody say light affliction. I, I, I loved Rocky movies when I was a kid. Anybody? Like, I know I'm showing that I'm 53 when I say Rocky movies when I was a kid, because like, Rocky came out when I was a kid. And uh, I remember watching Rocky thinking, that's me, baby. <laughs> the underdog. I, got, I lived in um, Altus, Oklahoma, which is right next to the heat of hell. 120 degree summer days, very common. And, and I dressed in full, uh, you know, like 
jog suits and like sweats and would go out on these hot days. And all I could hear in my head was dun, 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 dun. And I'd be running, and I'd be running, running, and I'd be sweating. And I'd be sweating. And I thought, oh, I need to get stronger. I'm going to do what Rocky did. I literally took eggs and broke them into a glass, just like Rocky did. And I took that glass, and I tipped it up, and then I threw it up. And I didn't do that anymore, but I did try it one time. And I would, I would watch, I would watch Rocky, and, and like it was like every every time the dude would you know wail on him, he was like whoa, whoa, and all he would say, cut me, Mick, you know, and then the, if you know that line, and so they cut him, and then he'd go back in there, and it's like wow, 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 I mean just wailing, it's gotta irritate the devil to hit you with his best shots and for you to go light affliction. Where's your inner man? Because you're not calling it light affliction if your inner man is weak. You're complaining, you're fussing, you're irritated, you're bitter, you're angry. Why is God letting this happen to me? I understand it. I, I fully understand it. But I will not coddle it in your life. I will resist it in your life so that you might become more of who God wants you to become. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. What? Eternal. See, there's temporal and there is eternal. And if you're living your life from a temporal perspective, then your inner man is not being fed the way your inner man needs to be fed and your perspective is off from where it needs to be. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I will not fix my eyes on the hardship that comes against me in this world. I will not fix my eyes on the difficulty that tries to weigh me down and hold me back. But I will lift my eyes to the Lord my God as I behold the glory of God. And I will magnify the Lord. Somebody magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. We will exalt his name together no matter what the circumstance may be, no matter what the situation may say the situation has a voice the circumstance has a voice but the voice of God is stronger than the voice of the circumstance when your inner man is strong what I'm saying is having the right attitude releases a healthy atmosphere which helps produce the right perspective it's your last blank and it's an important one you're the right attitude releases the right atmosphere that helps the right stuff grow. In the right atmosphere, the right things grow. Wrong atmosphere, the right things won't grow. Wrong things grow. I just want to give you this understanding. Sorry, I said that as your last blank. I just got so excited I had you all stand up too soon, but I've been standing up the whole service, so we're good. Psalms 100, verse 4. This is powerful. Enter his gates. Everybody say gates. With thanksgiving and his courts with praise. 
Give thanks to him and praise his name. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Gratitude is the gateway spiritual discipline that takes us into the deeper places with God and the stronger places of faith. Gratitude is the gateway spiritual discipline. I love the way that sounds. That is a great expression. Gratitude. There's something substantial to this statement. And that's why I'm just pausing on it. Gratitude is a gateway spiritual discipline that takes us into the deeper places with God and stronger places of faith. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. We enter His gates with thanksgiving. That's where it starts. Fortified faith then begins to result. But we start at the gates, entering gates with thanksgiving to God. And then we move into a place of the courts where we pray. It's the gateway spiritual discipline to the deeper truths of God. Ah, we love you, Lord. I just say today, the name of Jesus is above every name. And we give thanks for the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is above the name of cancer. The name of Jesus is above the name of depression. The name of Jesus is above the name of division. The name of Jesus is above every name that could ever try to begin to bring definition in our minds. Thank you, Lord. We give thanks. We give thanks for the name of Jesus, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, Philippians chapter 2. We're declaring the power of your word today, O God. We are so thankful for your word. I am overflowing with joy this morning. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I just feel a great deposit from God in our hearts today. I sense a charging of the batteries that he was speaking to me about this morning. Be, uh, be charged. Be awakened. Be empowered. Let there be overflow in your life. As we enter his gates.